0: I'm Matt Godbolt. And I'm Ben Rady. And this is Two's Compliment, a programming podcast. Hey Ben. Hey Matt. How you doing, my friend? Uh,
1: I'm working. I'm working today. You're working,
0: yeah. Why would doing, you do such a doing
1: thing? the doing the day job? I oh. am staring at a bunch of uh, comments in my code that are like, "Hey Ben, hey later Ben." Yeah. Comments <laughs> written ben. by by earlier Ben, yeah, <laughs> past Ben. Hey future Ben. Uh, you need to solve this problem. So, um, you know, solve this problem. And now I'm looking at these comments being future Ben going, yeah, I guess I got to solve this problem now.
0: Well, I tell you what, that past Ben had a lot of confidence in you. (laughs) Misplaced? Was it misplaced confidence?
1: Uh, hopefully not. So
0: this is an interesting, actually, in sort of the taxonomy of comments, there Mm -hmm. are like the, say what you're doing which is al- almost always a mistake to say mm-hmm, right. hey you know add 3 you know the comment says add 3 to the blah variable and you yes. like it does you know and then you know that underneath it blah variable plus equals 4 is what it's inevitably going to say right yes, because yes. It, the comment rots um, so you know one typically don't says you know like well if you can't make it obvious by writing the code uh, or- so that it reads mm-hmm. like the, what you want it to say, then you've probably right. got a problem with your code. But then there's the, the why explanation, which is you know, like, hey, I am doing this yeah. because of this thing that's not obvious from the context or the code or whatever. Those are okay. But then this is the insert code here. This doesn't do anything yet version of the comment. <laughs> yes, yes. So this, what this is, is the problem?
1: This is, my, uh, uh, this is my task tracking style of comment. I actually do this thing where I... We might have talked about this, actually, where I have a special check in um, branch builds for to-do comments. So to-do means Mm -hmm. something very special in this project. And it is basically like, I've queued up some work that I need to do, and you can't merge to the main branch if you've got any of these things left in the code.
0: Interesting. So that's a good... It's that's sort a good of discipline like, to have.
1: Yeah, and it's actually a, it's actually also a great way to collaborate because you can sit down with somebody and kind of like put some to-do comments in the code and be like oh we need to fix this, we need to fix this, we need to fix this and not lose track of the fact that as a group you need to do this work. That's um, interesting.
0: I've definitely I've worked on projects before where we've not allowed to-dos to be merged into main. You know like, like essentially we can't pr- promote anything to production if it has yeah. any to-dos in it. But nowadays I subscribe more to the provided the to-do has a tracking issue associated with where like the the finesse of like why it's okay to defer it for now and it can be scheduled and put back on like Mm -hmm. someone's work to-do list, actual list, then it's okay. But it might be nice to have like both worlds where you're like, this is a long-term to-do. Like, hey, to-do, we know that this doesn't scale, but for the next year, it's likely to be okay. Eventually, we're going to have to replace this order n squared algorithm with something cleverer. Right, Right, That's the kind of thing you can put in a to-do comment. Uh, obviously until you forget about it and then you know everything falls over because it's too slow but that's the whole point of having the tracking yeah yeah but then this to do is like no i'm i just want to be able to commit so that someone else can pull Mm -hmm. the branch we're collaborating on and we can't get this into main yeah right and i will not
1: accidentally go into production without having looked at this yeah
0: right like so on the other end, I have pre-commit hooks that say, if it says do not commit anywhere in my repository, then you can't do that. But do not merge is something I have written, but I have nothing that prevents it from being merged into it. It's just like a convention there, and you hope that when you're diffing things, you'll go, oh, whoops. yeah." Mm -hmm. So maybe we should enforce that. Anyway, that's not why you wanted to talk about this stuff.
1: So yeah, so what is this comment? What is this to-do comment? So basically, the problem that I have here is I have a sort of Unknown it you can think of as a directory structure this is actually in s three storage, but you know we're, we're Which treating is du- we're, we're treating keys like directories in in s3 as, and that all as works they just do, fine really. yes yeah. it, it all works just fine. so you have this sort of unknown directory structure, right okay yeah. um so there's some root path, some root key that you know, but underneath that you have some heterogeneous mix of files. And what you're trying to and
0: and subdirectories as well. Yes,
1: files and subdirectories. Potentially many many layers of subdirectories, right? And and you have no idea what the structure is. Uh, And what you're looking for is uh, files. And for the sake of simplicity, let's just say that they're all of one type. Let's say CSV files. So you're looking for CSV files that uh, have the same base path. So one of the the subdirectories in the hierarchy of subdirectories that is common contains underneath it a homogeneous set of CSV files all with the same schema right so they can be in different subdirectories and an example of this would be like separated out by date right so So maybe you have something where it's like you know You've got a base path and then under that you've got a a, a a subdirectory per day and then each in each of those days you have you know a handful of CSV files and you want to be able to detect that that base path has all these different files and they all have the same uh, schema and there are no other files in there that have a different schema. So the part uh, okay. of this problem yep. that I've already solved is a sort of schema detection. So I have I already have, uh, an algorithm where you can, you know, take basically a, a stream and send it in there and be like, hey, this is a CSV file. I want you to inspect the headers. I want you to inspect the actual values in the CSV file to make sure that they're, you know, detect what the types are.
0: Like none or otherwise of, of them, or, yeah, date times or strings or whatever. I yeah, that, right? yeah.
1: It's sort of like all the, the, it devolves into string, right? It's sort of like, if I can't figure out what this is, I'm just going to call it a string, right? But if I, if I can parse it as, you know, a date time, Or a float, or a sixty-four bit integer, or a thirty-two bit integer. Like that's what the type is derived Yeah, but you infer
0: it. Yeah, anyway. But that's the solved part of this. Yeah, that's already
1: done. So that works. So now what I have is I have uh, the algorithm I need to implement here is you're given a a a bucket, you know, an S3 bucket. You're given a prefix within that bucket, and now you have to scan that prefix and come up with a list of schemas where the schema contains the results from the inspector. So like the columns and the types, but more importantly, the paths and the, the, the tricky bit here is if you, if you have something, it's entirely possible that you scan this and you come up with an empty list because if the, the structure that you're given is just a hodgepodge of heterogeneous file types. And there is no root key that gives you a homogeneous set then there's nothing to do here because what we're producing from this is basically a a, a a queryable table where you can give it that path prefix and say everything underneath this has
0: this schema, has this type. Okay. So you're trying to find the highest point, treating it like a graph, mm-hmm. with leaf, leaf nodes where the files are. You want to find the highest point where all... Children leaf nodes that you can find from that point have mm-hmm. the same schema, and then you want mm-hmm. to find the set of the highest points where there are different schemas. Is that yes? Is that fair to say? Yes, so like yes. if you had, um, if uh, so a directory A and a directory B and mm-hmm. A, then under A is all these dated directories, so mm-hmm. a slash yeah, 2023 20, 04 14, yep, slash some other thing, slash whatever thing, and then there's a file.csv. And if you could say, like, well. All of the files for all the days for all the the measures under this route under A have the schema where it's a date time and a value. Yeah, right?
1: there's three columns with these names and these types, and they're all the same.
0: Yes, exactly across the whole of that. And right. then, but conversely, on the B bucket, there's a there's a different set of things because it's maybe a completely different uh, set of data. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that information a priori. Exactly. So you just want just. Um, yeah, that's an interesting problem, and there are some sort of SRI specifics that I can think of that would either make this easier or harder, mm-hmm. and depending on how efficient it needs to be, that's also a question to, mm-hmm. to consider, mm-hmm. right? You know, parallelism or otherwise. Um, yeah. Uh, so, for I'm going to s- think out loud at you mm-hmm. and see where we go from there. But interrupt Sounds me good. if I'm if I'm gibbering too much. So logically you can just ask s3 give me a dump of everything you have mm-hmm. and it will just start from a and give you every single giant long path name of everything because yes. really under the hood it's just a key value store where yes. the key is the path and the value is the contents of yes. the, the the thing
1: so that i have implemented i have basically a recursive search from the prefix where it will walk recursively and give you right well that's all the trick the you don't thing.
0: Yeah, you don't have to do that recursion because if oh you no, I'm not S3, doing it. it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm, saying
1: the S3 client is doing that for me.
0: Yeah, and it's not even doing it right. It's the client's not doing it either, right? The, the The way S3 works is if you give it a delimiter, mm-hmm. it will use that as a point to stop, which will mm-hmm. then mean that necessarily you'll hit like well each level of the directory. Mm-hmm. But if you don't give it a delimiter at all, it just doesn't is flat out listing the the, yep. the keys with yep. no. So there's no sort of hierarchy except the hierarchy that you put on top of it by saying, by the way, the forward slash is is magic to me. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're just listing
1: of- all the keys that start with that prefix. It's really nothing more than that. Exactly. So, yeah, you've, right. but
0: you've, so, so you could go the route where you do that, which is efficient from the point of view of just paging through the results mm-hmm. from S3 and you get this giant list of things. But it's also you then kind of want to reinfer afterwards the structure of the directories having mm-hmm. given this list of things. Um so you could treat it like a tree. Mm-hmm. And so for every one of those uh, nodes, you you construct a tree in memory for each directory.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the directory has children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the direct the children may be other directories or they may be files. Mm-hmm. And files have schemas, right? Or you could just yeah. treat it as a schema, right? Um and then, it maybe flows naturally from that. So if you've got it, in, it all in memory, which may be not feasible given the scale that you're you're working at. Uh, I think it's okay
1: to have it all in memory actually. Yeah. I think that okay. would be fine. Uh,
0: but then, yeah, you could write the, um, the sort of recursive thing of, say, give me the set of your children... Oh, let's think about this. One question you could ask is, you know, how... Ha- do you have homogeneous children? And that can be recursively applied. You know, like if Mm -hmm. you don't have, you you say like, if all my children have the same schema, that there are files. And then Mm -hmm. if I ask the same question of my directory children, Mm -hmm. what is your common uh, um, schema? And it's the same as my file children, assuming that you're allowing to mix files and directories, which maybe you're not in this instance. Maybe the leaves are strictly at the very, very bottom of the tree. But you could generalize both, right? But then essentially the A directories: am I homogeneous? Um, Do I have a homogeneous schema? Is the answer to, are all my files the same? And if I have directories, are they also homogeneously the same schema? And then it sort of naturally falls out and you could memoize that so it's pretty quick and easy. Um, And then obviously what you do is you start at the very, very top of the graph and you say, are you homogeneous? Mm-hmm. And if it says yes, you're done. Right. There you are. Everything's yeah. the same at this yes. point. Right. And if it's not, you say, okay, well, then let me find all your children and ask them, are you homogeneous? And as soon as you find one that says yes, it is, that is the leaf, that is the a root of a new tree that you never yeah, need to inspect yeah, further yeah. after that. Now, so obviously, it has build recursed up the tree, down
1: a tree, and then you do a breadth first search across that tree looking for nodes whose children are homogeneous basically
0: yes and you can stop at that but obviously you still are visiting all the nodes because in order to ask the question are you homogeneous internally it's going all the way down and back up again but if you memoize it yeah uh, then you don't have to hit the nodes more than once Mm -hmm. so that would be a top down way of doing Mm -hmm. it
1: is there a way to do this where you sort of do like an order and pass through the keys because i you know sort of the backing off of the what the API from S3 is giving us is sort of like, all right, I'm going to iterate through all of these keys, right? Yeah. And then along the way, I'm going to take each key. I'm going to do the inspection of the underlying data at that point, which is a- – that is actually the most expensive part computationally, oh, whole, right? yeah. Like, yeah. you know, there might be a million keys, but like reading all that data is the thing that's going to take a long time, right? Yeah. And inspecting the schemas. Um, but you, you sort of inspect the schemas as you go. Um, and my thought here was that maybe there's some efficiency to be gained from once you've detected a heterogeneous subkey, stop scanning. There's there's no point in continuing to do this super expensive schema inspection once you've detected something where it's like, oh, yeah, this, is a, this directory has two different types of files in it. It's got a right. thousand files, but there's no point in checking the other nine hundred ninety eight because I these see. two... Are not the are same. different. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: very true. Yeah, so you could definitely, I mean, if 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 I guess that's an error con, an error condition or an under specification when we were talking about this to start with, which was you know I was assuming that you you could partition the world at some point you could find these top rooted keys, but if mm-hmm. you find a node for which it it's very leaves have mixtures, then that mm-hmm. node is bad a bad node. Like you say, you say, well, I exactly. can't do anything with this. Right, um, right. Yeah, but yeah. To answer your earlier question, to do this incrementally, I think. I think you I think so effectively you given one long key string name mm-hmm. and the results of what schema this is you can of course create Speculatively, or look up if they already exist, each of the nodes in the graph by splitting on the slash and then mm-hmm. saying, Okay, well, let's find the node that's like called Bob, and then the one that called Ian, and then the one that called Tracy. And mm-hmm. then here is the 010403, mm-hmm. and then this is, you know, moo.csv, which is where I am. And if there's a node there, if you've just newly created a node, then definitionally, you'll say, Well, at the moment, the set of all schemas that I've seen is what I've just passed this schema to mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. And if not, then um, I, um, and this is obviously a leaf node, uh, rather a, a leaf directory has no further directories under it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're, you can write if you if you're writing the second um, directory, sorry, second schema for that node. You know, like you said, uh, okay, this this node has children, direct yeah, children yeah, that yeah. are stop. This this is silly. Now, any right. more things that, that land in this node, it's already poisoned. Don't bother looking at it anymore. Yeah, um, but if not then um you've got you've constructed the graph except the only thing you haven't done is you haven't filled in the directories that only have directories as children's schema sets but that's fine because that's what the second part of the algorithm's going to do once you finish going through it the breadth first says uh i don't have to look at the data anymore uh, because i already have the list of of all the nodes the di- like the, the the leaf nodes and whether mm-hmm. or not they are poisoned because they have a mixture mm mm-hmm. Or they have exactly one schema type.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
0: then their parent, and you could potentially do this online as well, where you say, okay, every time I update a nodes schema, set, yeah, you can update its s- parents to say like, hey, also, by the way, this this is the second
1: Yeah, thing. like I was thinking about this and I'm like, I could do this by literally building a tree data structure, right? Like, a, Like, you know, but I almost wonder if you could do this with like a hash map where when you process a single key you say i'm going to create an entry in the hash map
0: for for this each directory and each this... yes
1: yeah, and, yeah yeah yeah, yeah each yeah. of
0: its parents right I and mean if what I you're ever... doing is you're storing a tree in a hash map, kind of implied, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where there's no explicit nodes that like you can go up and down because the way that you go up is to just like truncate your key and look mm-hmm. at the hash entry for the bit that's like, yeah, so that would work as well. Right. Obviously right. the entry where there would be like the set of schemas.
1: Well, it's just the each. one schema, right? Because if you ever detect a conflict, you you well, you'd have to mark it as basically like no good. Right, so it's either the, the schema wh- or a, a marker that says like this: this sub key is no good, right?
0: Right. Okay, but that wouldn't let you answer the question. Like in my original example, if you had the A and uh-huh. the B top level nodes, they would both the root would be poisoned and say, "No, I have a mixture." Which right, way, so but that's the whole- fine
1: because you'd have an entry in the map for A that was good, and you'd have an entry in the map for B that was good.
0: Okay, but you can't. You if you just have those entries, yeah. uh, How does you? How do you? Right. What, so, you having filled in this hash map, uh-huh. how do you interrogate it? You need to know what the keys are, and you don't actually know what the keys are anymore. Uh, right? If you had you- the tree, you know what the node of the, the tree is, and you, and you know from each node what children it had. Yeah. But you can't do that in the hash map without knowing the list of all those.
1: I mean, maybe, maybe I'm missing something here, but my thought was like, okay, at the end of that sort of happy path example, I would have A as an entry, and I would have B as an entry and i would have an entry for each one of b's subdirectories
0: yeah, you know, and each a one of a's subdirectories right. right so you've got a ma- so in my example you have a and b and all the the, the yeah. dated directories and all those things underneath it yeah. so you've got a hash map with many many thousands of entries Were you're just going to walk through the hash map in the, the random order the hash map's going to give you out the, the the nodes that are in that hash map
1: yeah you're just and then from there you look at the keys of the hash map and you find the the shortest Path, right like the highest level paths right right, right, right.
0: so effectively that's how you yeah that that's the bit i was missing was the fact that i it's not necessarily that straightforward to go from here's a hash map of all of the keys mm-hmm. to what's the shortest key well now i have to go over every single entry in the hash map yeah it's like it's like two, on order n yeah it's like which, order n twice it's it's 2n right yeah as opposed to order n and then uh uh, log n effectively or n log n for not even n log n no it's just log n i think for having if you built the tree as you were going along instead of the hash yeah, map yeah. then you just walk at the top and you get like the answer is it either the top node or that one of its second children uh-huh. either way, i think if they're, they're equivalent um it depends how many leaves you end up throwing into the hash map I mean I guess you don't have to store the the actual files in the hash map. That's the trick trick here. You don't need to store their schema. You only aggregate them at the directory level. Mhm. And so you are you are talking about yeah. A, yeah. A,
1: a, and I think it would let you sort of abandon early where it's like when you yes. check a key, you say, okay, is this is this parent already in the map marked as bad? Cuz if it is, I don't need to inspect it, right? Right.
0: There you are, you turned an order, uh, n operation into an n log n. Yeah. Uh, I think, no, is that, yeah. no, because like for every n, you have to then go, okay, there are potentially log n parents of me, oh, and yeah. I have to check them as I go. Yeah, but I mean, anything that lets
1: you, anything that lets you skip the inspection process is going to be worthwhile here.
0: Oh, but you, the, the inspection process would have happened when you populated the map. Yeah. The reading bit out of the end is, is the trivial part, right? Mm-hmm. So I think our mm-hmm. algorithm then, putative or otherwise, is grab the big old list of full keys from mm-hmm. from the S3 APIs streaming through.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: F- construct or look up, as you say, in this hash map, have I done some subset of these things already? And maybe if you find it's poisoned already, you just skip it. Mm-hmm. Right? if you've already found an entry that says, "Look, there are already two schemas somewhere along the the list of that now again, if you had a tree, you walk down the tree to where you are or walk up from the nodes you just just created. but if you have a hash map, you you break it and you look up those things, which again is they're equivalent I think mm-hmm. right, yeah, but assuming that so far you haven't found a uh, a a node that has at least two schemas already, you go, well, now I need to see whether or not this schema either matches the one schema that is there." Or if there is no schema there, I need to populate the entry with this schema. So now mm-hmm. you know you're cursed to go and do a long lookup and read the data and pass through it and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Brr, trunk, trunk. You come back with a new schema. And this, if, if there was nothing there, you say, well, this is the schema of this. And then you walk up the graph and you say mm-hmm. to all of the nodes there, hey, this is the schema. Or you check against the the schema... Uh, to make sure that it's the same schema as any of the parents. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you hit two, you know, well, this is poisoned now. We don't need to do this, anything under this point in the tree again. Mm-hmm. Which obviously means you're going to run through the API kind of going um, list, 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 list. But very quickly you'll go, yeah, this is dead. I don't need to look at it. I don't need to look at it. the expensive part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's that's the walking process. And then at the very end, you look over the whole map. And you find that, and then this is like where it gets more tricky. You go through all the keys and you try and find the shortest key that has not been poisoned. Mm-hmm. But then, if you want to find the set of the shortest keys that are like separable and not poisoned, it's harder to do that, I think, from like just walking through the keys because you have to essentially infer again the graph structure out of like breaking the key on a slash in order to say, hey, is this. Because it's not even shortest, right? You know, you could have two directions with longer names. One's got a longer name than yeah, the other, and you're like, "It's yeah. not it, it's the not, shortest yeah, It's path. not shorter. It's like number of right. levels. So I don't I know guess. if you're saving anything by having it in the hash rather than just just accepting the tree. is going to be part of your your life. Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult, and you can answer the question a little bit. Yeah,
1: more. I mean, the only reason I'm leaning, I would lean toward a tree, is because it's like an out of the box data structure, and I I need to do, I think, very little to. I mean, I guess the values are probably going to be reasonably complex. But anyway, this is that's like I don't more know that they are even detail. right, you know.
0: But but that's that. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's that's worth thinking about this, if we're just talking in general mm-hmm. generalities, is that even scanning over that many files takes a long time, mm-hmm. and if you were to do multiple parallel scans, one starting at A, one starting at B, one starting at C, or whatever the usual tricks that one does to scan over S 3s like list mm-hmm. function faster, right. yep. then I think both of these approaches still work. You might, if you have multiple threads and if you're a thread safe like data structure in, in or map, mm-hmm. then you can. You might occasionally do more work than you needed to because there were two like threads that were both scanning files. Where a third thread discovers that actually this is a futile exercise, you know that this mm-hmm. point in the node is passed. But like as long as you can handle that situation, you only ever do n pieces of extra work in the worst case where you have n threads, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. On the, in the good case, you are you are mostly able to 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 um, uh, yeah parallelize on that. Although to be honest, probably just scanning through. Is yeah. fast enough, and then you're then you're going to be stuck doing the actual parsing, and that can right. be multi-threaded because you just yes. have a work queue and say, hey, here's exactly. some things I need you to do. Go and get it done, and when you come back to me with the results, then I can I can fill in the tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah we were talking the other day actually about my efforts to uh, scale this system horizontally, and th- that is one of the prime use cases of that work is being able to like basically delegate work out on a per key basis. Like, Hey, could you scan the schema for the CSV file for me? It's probably going to take you like three minutes, but you know,
0: I see se- yeah, separate that's... that out and then, you know, do that. That's, work that that's way. perfect. Um, yeah. What a fun. So fun I, question
1: I, I was going to say, so because this is two's compliment, the other thing that we can talk about here is the test cases.
0: So like <laughs> what tests,
1: what tests would you write for this? And more importantly, maybe what order would you write those tests in? Um, because like the most basic test, if I was going to sit, th- I, I am about to sit down and read this. So, <laughs> right. literally um, I interrupted you from doing I this. Just, yeah. yeah. Um, but the the test I'm probably going to start with is if there are no files in the bucket, return me an empty list.
0: Right. right? This is a, sort of a zombie approach. Zombie right. approach. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. One mini, yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, what, I forget B is. Oh, yeah, uh, we can do this. Bound boundary bounds. Know, yeah. B- boundaries, Bound boundaries interface. Uh I'm something... just making it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, the trick is the Z- ZOM part is, you know, test with nothing, test with one, test with a few of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the first thing you do is say, "Hey, empty directory." Uh,
1: so yeah, so like, you know, should return an empty. I'm just typing this out. List yeah, yeah. if there are no files, right? Uh and that's easy enough to write. I just make an empty bucket um using my fancy Your in- fake. I, my fake Fake, but so kind here's of an real in memory bucket. It's not fake. Are it's a real actually, thing. Are you actually
0: are you actually creating anything for an empty directory though? I know you can in S3. You can create a, a, essentially an empty file that is the file that ends with the slash that causes it to be kind of. Oh, a I didn't even directory. know you could do that. That's terrible. That's what, I think that's what happens if, if you're like in the S3 AP, sorry if you're in the AWS console and you make a directory and you then see this directory that's empty. Because otherwise, if you make a dir- an empty directory, yeah, the directory right. doesn't exist. It's, it's like just, you know, it's like yeah. the thing in source control when you can right. try and create a directory and you check it, and it's like no, the file doesn't. There's nothing there because what we're there. tracking are files, not directories. Right, right, right. So right. I don't even know how you'd write that test. <laughs> well, I mean, I could just make
1: an empty bucket. Right. Right. I, okay, I, so that's yeah. like a
0: just completely empty bucket.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, and then assert that it returns nothing.
1: Yeah, and then assert that I get back an empty list, and then of course the next obvious one is I'm going to make one file, and I'm going to make sure that you know, like, it, it, I don't even. So here's an interesting thing here. Mm-hmm. I think a rookie mistake when writing that kind of tests. So you know, you're about to it the way that I'm doing on you. <laughs> 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 okay, tell me, tell me. Tell
0: so what the, the rookie mistake. The is rookie, here.
1: the rookie mistake when writing that kind of test would be to. Um basically unnecessarily test through into the schema inspection
0: algorithm. The Got schema it.
1: inspection algorithm is already written. There's already tests for that.
0: It and through you know that it works. Transitivity right? of like as long as you call the schema inspection routine with the right path, right, right. trust that it works. Right. And so don't care about that bit. Don't yes. yeah, all right. That so bit, I'm gonna I, I think write the test the rookie like, test.
1: That's like that's like I'm going to write a file into this thing, and then I'm going to have it run the, the whole scanning inspection algorithm, and I should get back one schema. I'm gonna These are the things I'm going to assert, and these are the things I'm not going to assert. I'm going to assert that I got one. Yep. I'm going to assert that the path into the file is what I expected. Yep. I'm not going to assert the number of columns. I'm not going to assert the types and names of those columns, right? Right. Because... That behavior
0: is already tested now. So that's pl- interesting. I would have mocked that out, right? I don't know if that's where you're going with this. I would have said no. like, okay, I'm going to completely and utterly, I would, so with my C++ mindset yeah. here, Right. I would pass in the, like, um, and something which implements the interface of test this path. Mm-hmm. And then I would give it a fake one and say, hey, yeah, yeah, all I'm going to do is I'm going to record that you said that you wanted me to check this schema and then I'm going to return you back the schema Bob or whatever, anything. Mm-hmm. Because at that level, I don't care what you're doing with that information because I'm already trusting mm-hmm. that it's going to work. Whereas you're actually talking potentially about calling the schema code, but deliberately not looking at the results of it because you don't care about the results of it. You trust that they work. So equivalent, um, and you don't have to fake anything out and you don't have to have an interface or anything. and you're already faking out like the S3 at like a very... S three level. Yeah, yeah, right. But yeah, okay. Yeah, so- and that's
1: so that is that is a very sort of interesting point of debate, and I think there's lots of people that have different opinions right. on that. And right. I used to be more in the camp of like I'm going to fake out the schema inspection algorithm. And mm-hmm. these days, the, the way I think about it is like if I can write this so that the test is fast, and the thing that I'm mocking out, you know, or I, I would consider mocking out. The real yep. one doesn't have any outside interactions. It runs yep, quickly. Yeah, yeah. It does the thing. Uh, the the phrase that I've heard a lot of the, uh, through this is a sociable test or testing through is another way that people describe okay, this. Yeah. But it's basically like some number of hops, one or two or maybe three. Three's a little much, but one or two hops down uh, into the sort of you know uh, dependency graph of of the thing that you're testing. Generally fine, so long as you don't make any. So long as it has doesn't have any other bad things. It's not right. And be to be to be clear here, like the that.
0: the sort of like the 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 fakeable interface you're passing around here for S three means that it's not like you're making TCP connections. Exactly, you don't have to and all that stuff. So you've already kind of said okay, like that's that's the boundary that I'm prepared to draw. Right. And if I go one or two steps away from that sort of law of demeterry breakingly, mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. that's okay. I'm testing more of my system, but I'm also not going to rely on it because that is not the purpose of these tests, Exactly. And furthermore, if I break my schema detection system in some subtle way that doesn't matter for these tests, I don't want these tests to unnecessarily fail. Exactly, exactly.
1: You don't ever want the scanner, the sort of, the you know, tree walker scanner code tests to fail because like, oh yeah, um, this CSV file doesn't have a comma in the right place or something like that, right? Like, that's just – that's going to be a not informative test. You're going to be very confused as to how you possibly broke that, right? Right. Um. So, yeah. So, as to the, okay. the the assertions that you pick here basically are going to determine how much you're going to be able to use these tests to refactor versus how much you're basically just pouring concrete around your code. <laughs> right? Because, like, the most, the most, like, you know, painful, I think – and people talk about this all the time. It's sort of like, yeah, you know, I – I've heard people say, and it just makes my head explode. It's like, yeah, I don't like writing tests because it makes it hard to refactor, right? And, and I'm like, just like, oh, my God. Um, the <laughs> Wow. It, it's really... He's very
0: emotional. I know, it's you, like, listener, you, you can't see him, but he's, but what, he's always crying here.
1: <laughs> I hear that, and I'm like, you don't understand what any of those words mean. Any of them. None of the words in that sentence were correct. Um, the 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 trick here is... Like, when you, write, when you over-specify, right, and, and it sort of like comes almost from a good place we are just like, I want to make sure my code works and I'm going to write lots of good tests and I'm going to have lots of assertions and all these other things. And so, but the problem is when you over-specify, you are, you're not sort of doing the core job of what the tests are there for. The, the tests are there for to assert that you have the behavior that you want. But they should be agnostic about the behavior that at that level of testing you don't care about don't and care this about, is exactly right. that right this tree walker scanner thing shouldn't care at all about whether or not the schema inspector is doing its job correctly and if you over those tests you're going to make it harder when you come back later you're like oh we need to change the way that the, the schema inspector works right and you go and you change it and then you have all of these failing unrelated tests and you're like why are these tests failing well, because you overspecified, right? Yeah. So um, the, the the dial here that you have to turn, and, and you really want to get it in exactly the right spot if you can, is to specify the things that you care about for this code that is under test and not over-specify this thing if you're going to do this sort of sociable style. Now, the other alternative here is what you were just saying, where it's like, no, I'm just going to mock that out. So you can change the schema inspector all you want, it's not going to break these tests at all. And I have a hard guarantee that that's not true. And there's lots of situations in which you might actually want to do that. Um, but the, the what I'm about to do, um, embark on here in the next tw- you know, 20 minutes when we're done 20 with minutes this conversation right. yeah, we, is yeah. trying to set that dial exactly where I want it so that I have the confidence that the code that, is un- that I'm writing right now works Without having over specified into this thing that I already know works, that I already wrote tests for, that yeah. I've actually already used in other contexts. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not coupling those things together. So,
0: um, what one file. So, the, when you said that, right, <laughs> before you went off on this, this ta- not even tangent, this is a very oh, relevant this is thing. Like, it soapbox moment here. <laughs> yeah, it was, though. And <laughs> Get I'm off glad. My lawn, you looked very happy. Stupid kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But um, the thing that immediately sprung to mind after like, one file is one file with varying number of Mm -hmm. subdirectories in the root and then 12 different things because again that's like a zero one many kind of thing Mm -hmm. where it's like well everybody knows the edges the boundaries that's the b part of zombies isn't it yeah boundaries is -hmm. like well if if it's in a subdirectory that makes sense i'm sure i've tested that but like who thinks to put one of these files directly in the root right there's probably mm-hmm. not what you're ever planning on doing it probably be a mistake to do it but like that is where I'm, my instinct tells me a body will be buried there and you'll, mm-hmm. you'll find something interesting mm-hmm. there um just um, like you know when having a file that's empty which probably doesn't affect this in this particular case because you've already tested your uh schema tracker but like that would be another thing i think of as like, oh yeah someone made a file but it's not got anything in it mm-hmm. right that's mm-hmm. kind of like an edge but that would be an edge case for your for your schema validation.
1: yeah yeah and so the interesting thing about that test is uh I was having a conversation about this with our mutual friend Mr. Pat Farley yesterday, actually. Patrick um, Farley. Uh of the, of the London Farleys. Of the um, London Farleys. Uh talking about how it is possible, especially if I um if I if I'm not sort of like lazy enough <laughs> implementing the uh <laughs> The solution after I write the uh, you know, should handle one file, right? If I yep. if I if I'm like, ah, oh, I know how this should work and I just sort of type it out. It is possible uh, that I I write that uh, should bury, handle varying subdirectories test and it passes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And the I would question, hope so if you did it right, but well maybe so that's that that's the thing is is If what I did is I took a step too far when I was making the implementation, and I basically wrote untested code, right? So I have this test for should handle one file, and I go in there and I write, I don't write the most basic thing that I can think of, I don't write a simple thing, I write like, oh, well, this is what this algorithm needs to be, so I'm just going to type it all out, right? What I've done is I've written untested code, because almost certainly I could change some of that code, or delete it, or simplify it, and my test would still pass, right? And I might notice that if I go and I write that should handle varying subdirectories and it passes. And the question that you could ask yourself at that point is, have I written untested code before and now I've tested it and now I probably want to make sure that the test, the new test that I wrote actually covers those cases and I might actually go in and like mutate that code and, and break it and make sure that it fails. Or is that test actually unnecessary? Obviously, that case is something we need to handle. But if that test doesn't drive out any new code, do I need it? Or maybe more realistically, do I need the first one that I wrote? Have, can I yeah. now delete the should handle one file? Because it's impossible to have an
0: implementation that handles varying
1: subdirectories that doesn't also handle one right, file.
0: Right. So that's a really interesting question because there's, there's there's like the the code that I have just written, the implementation code that I know that I wrote in a particular way. And I'm Mm -hmm. testing that with knowledge, like very much of like how I'm driving out, you know, if you were were going for hundred percent code coverage or that kind of nonsense that we don't really put much faith in, but you're like, Oh, I have to handle this case because in my implementation, I treat them differently or I don't treat them differently. Mm -hmm. And that would either drive these things or like, Oh, I I didn't get hundred percent coverage because the, if statement that deals with the, oh, if it's in the root, it doesn't get covered. So there's that kind of part, but there's sort of like a moral feeling of like, well, I... I've been doing this for 20 years, and I know where the kind of things where if I make a change to the implementation, I bet you I break this because mm-hmm. of that. And then that's why those are more speculative tests. Yeah. And maybe you have a stronger opinion about that because, of course, reasonable people could disagree about, like, well, no one will ever do that thing. Right. And you're like, right, well, right. what if they do, or what if they change the implementation in a relatively straightforward way that might take advantage of either knowing X or Y, right? Exactly. You know, oh, yeah. it's the one file, and it's all oh, there's more than one file kind of thing. Yep, yep, yep.
1: And that is. So, that is just That's a judgment where it's call. It's an art form, isn't yeah, it? Right? This exactly. is art,
0: not not science.
1: It's cuz cuz you're you're speculating on what the behavior of future humans will be. That's basically what it is, right? Like yeah. I'm going to add these tests here not because they drive out any code, right? I could I could uh you know delete these tests and I would still have all my code very well thoroughly There's the well existing code very tested. well thoroughly yep. tested, but I'm adding these tests because I'm scared of future people, maybe future Ben, uh, yeah. who had some comments left for him, uh, coming in and changing this code in what would be a reasonable way, yep. but breaking something that wouldn't then be covered, right? Yep. Um and that, like you said, it's an art form. It just comes it's- from experience. Really, it just comes from making mistakes on that decision. Yeah, and going, oh, and then my going, God. Oh, I, I should have done it guarantee- differently. Yeah, that
0: would have been Right, I mean, let's say, like, me. you know, you're writing a string library, yeah. and you're testing, you know, adding two strings together should return, you know, the mm-hmm. strings, But the way. And you just know yourself that, like, oh, I've realized that uh, the empty string, I should probably make sure that I test adding an empty string to a string. Mm-hmm. Those- mm-hmm. So I'm speaking from experience here, this kind of stuff, and like, uh, you know, well, how could you implement... String concatenation, where you break the empty string concatenation, and the answer is well. If you're writing an optimized version in assembly, I guarantee <laughs> that you haven't put the check in at the beginning mm-hmm. of that to right. say, "Oh, hang on, if it's zero to start with," because you just immediately want to pick up n bytes of the string and do the, you know, this kind of stuff. And so that's the kind of thing where, like, you are definitely locking in. You're hedging for the future of like, well, this is right. this this is, this is like uh, the kind of mistake I can see myself making down. Down the line, and uh, and or it's it's almost part of the documentation at some level as well of like well mm-hmm. these things should work yeah you know the the interface allows for you to do this it's surprising but it does allow for you to do this and maybe yeah, I should just yeah. leave this here as like a, a a boundary condition of the interface to say mm-hmm. this is fine so mm-hmm.
1: yeah and one of the other things that you need to consider with that in addition to sort of guarding against future mistakes is the thing that we were talking about earlier about like. Writing those kinds of tests can also lead you to accidentally overspecify
0: right right yeah like,
1: like you're yeah. you're testing things that are either behavior that you don't necessarily really care about um or testing through into other dependent modules or classes
0: or functions. That's a really fascinating one, actually. the testing things you don't care about. I have definitely been guilty of that before where I have mm-hmm. thought to myself, I really want to make sure that this thing works, but I don't really know what the answer should be. Right. And by writing a test, I've kind of mandated that that is what the answer needs to always be. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe I didn't want to do that. Right. Um,
1: right. right. But right. then right. I also
0: don't want to have a path through my code that I, you know, but then that, maybe <laughs> that's a, a question for like, well, Fix the path through your code. Throw an yeah. exception instead. You know, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what. Do something else to say like, "Hey, you're in uncharted territory here. Don't do this." Right, right, right. I mean, like one yeah. of like a,
1: an obviously wrong example of that. Like bounding this problem a little bit. Like an obviously wrong example of that would be like having something that that produces a set, and then you make an assertion about the order, right. Yep. Right. It's like, you don't care about the behavior. You don't care about the order of the set. Why are you writing a test for it? It's like, well, because I wanted to know what it is. Right. Or I wanted to specify it. Or what is it? It's like, no. Like, we are intentionally leaving that unspecified. And that has value. The fact that it's unspecified has value. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It allows us to change our mind later.
0: So, like, Getting exactly, that the hash that map thing right. you talked about, right. Exactly, is a perfect example of that. Like, when you write the code, the test that's going to iterate through the hash map mm-hmm. and, and then build its world from the hash map entries in the order that they just happened to land it in the hash mm-hmm. map, mm-hmm. then you're definitely way into the world of like, well, I don't even know what sequence these things are going to happen in, so I can't be too critical yeah. Of, yeah. of the answer. Yeah, that's... Yeah, interesting. Well... Mm-hmm. You better go and write this code that we've been talking about <laughs> I gotta it for got to get back to work. <laughs> so you've got to actually go back. Yeah, I was going to crack the whip on you. And uh, maybe yeah. we'll, we'll catch up with this another time and see how it turned out whether yeah. or not any oh, of these algorithms actually worked or not. I, I, I like that idea a lot. Cool. Well, we'll uh, hear about it next time, perhaps. All right, next time. You've been listening to Two's Compliment, a programming podcast by Ben Rady and Matt Goddard. Find the show transcripts and notes at www.twoscomplement.org. Contact us on Mastodon. We are at twoscomplement at hackyderm.io. Our theme music is by Inverse Phase. Find out more at inversephase.com.